If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Star Wars 7x7, episode 751. Today it's a Rebels briefing for you. We're looking at Gathering Forces, and this is episode 7 of season 1 of Star Wars Rebels. Little bit frustrating on one key point, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it too, but we'll get into it in just a moment. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host Alan Voivod, and let's talk about Gathering Forces, shall we? So we find out at the very end of the last episode that the Rodian Zebo that Ezra knows from his childhood knows what happened to Ezra's parents. And this is where it gets frustrating because... We don't actually get to find out what happened to Ezra's parents. You know, it's one of those TV things, and this is not the only show that does it. You see this on every other show where, why can't you just answer the darn question? (laughs) And unfortunately, they decide not to answer the question. Instead, Zebo says that he needs to be forgiven for not doing what he needed to do to protect Ezra's parents. And of course, Ezra won't give him that forgiveness, but (laughs) Zebo won't even give him the answer to what happened to the parents. I mean... You know, you could read it on the one hand that Zebo is apologizing because the parents are actually dead and that he's saying, I'm sorry, I couldn't protect them. Or you could read it the other way, which is that by protecting them, Zebo's saying keeping them out of the hands of the Empire for whatever reason. So, ugh, you know, frustrating. We don't know. And at the end of the episode, Zebo has a brief exchange with Hera before they turn Zebo over to Fulcrum. And Hera says, you can tell me what happened and I'll let Ezra know. But we don't get to know. So I'm very curious to find out if and when we actually get to know. That's one of the things that I have not picked up just in conversation and, you know, random internet searching and that sort of thing. It just hasn't come across my radar. So hopefully we will find out the answer to that. I mean, I'm sure... That is a strand that, if it hasn't been resolved yet, they will not let it go unresolved before the end of the series, I imagine. But as for the main body of the story itself, the ghost is fleeing from the Grand Inquisitor and a complement of TIE Fighters, and more TIE Fighters are joining the chase. They're getting shot up. It's not going well. Grand Inquisitor shoots a little tracking device onto their ship, and even though they're able to jump to hyperspace... They are being tracked, and the Rodian Zebo is able to sense this somehow because of his cybernetic implants or whatever, and it turns out that the tracking device actually attached to their little auxiliary ship, the Phantom, and not on the actual ghost itself. So they get the bright idea of trying to lure the Grand Inquisitor off the trail of Zebo and have Kanan and Ezra get into the Phantom and undock from the ghost, which means getting tumbled loose in hyperspace, which sounds like a really dangerous prospect. 
And that was a really fun thing. I mean, maybe there's stuff in the expanded universe that dealt with this sort of thing, but I've never really considered the idea of what happens if your stuff breaks apart in hyperspace or if you sent off an escape pod while you were traveling through hyperspace or something like that. So this sort of answered it, that basically they just go tumbling through the hyperspace stream. It's not as if they actually had any directional stuff it didn't seem like. And I don't even know if the Phantom has hyperspace capability. I don't think it does. I think they actually just drop them and let them fall out of hyperspace right near where they wanted them to go, which was that asteroid field that had the Clone Wars base where those Furroths were hanging out. This is back from Out of Darkness, Episode 5 of Season 1. And so Kanan and Ezra land there, and that whole thing that Kanan was putting Ezra through in the beginning of last episode, trying to tame the Lothcat by connecting with it, well, that's what they have to do with the Furroths now, or Fireroths, however you pronounce it. So they manage to get them calm and under control, and once the Grand Inquisitor arrives with a bunch of stormtroopers, they sick all of the Furroths on the stormtroopers, and that goes well enough, but the Grand Inquisitor has to duel with Kanan and Ezra, and that doesn't necessarily go so well until Ezra, tapping into some of his anger and sort of dark side stuff, manages to call forth the mother of all of these creatures. Like, it is ginormous, and that sucker is able to keep the Grand Inquisitor too busy to deal with anything else until Kanan and Ezra get away. They get, you know, almost to the ship before the Grand Inquisitor is able to throw his crazy ultimate frisbee lightsaber at them and Kanan's able to deflect it away and then they're able to get away on the Phantom after all. But again, importantly to flag, here's another situation where we have a 15-year-old Ezra and this is right in the prime of adolescence too. This is the sort of situation that I wished we had seen more of with Anakin Skywalker, actually, because we only went from 9 to 19. Granted, 19, still kind of adolescent, but yeah, it would be a lot different seeing it at 15 as opposed to 19. But Ezra, angry, angry, and that's a dark side situation, and Kanan has to warn him to say, hey, you got to be careful and not let that anger take you to the dark side of the Force, but... This is part of the training that we never saw with Anakin and that we don't get to see usually with any of the Jedi. And it's probably one of the most dangerous times of a Jedi's life, I would imagine. I'm sure adolescence is pretty tough no matter what species you are. I mean, well, maybe most people's mine. Eh, wasn't really tough at all, you know? Wasn't really, like, anything to write home about either. It was just life, you know? But that's just me. Anyway... Also, one other thing to talk to you about with this episode. The transfer of Zebo to Fulcrum happening with a rebel blockade runner. And yeah, that's supposed to be Alderanian, perhaps. So I don't know if this means that it's a clue to the identity of Fulcrum or if it just means that Fulcrum is working with Alderanians or possibly with Bail Organa. That's kind of an interesting thing to consider. We don't really get anything on Fulcrum just yet, but it's going to be an interesting mystery to pursue and see how they continue to drop the breadcrumb elements before the big reveal. And that is going to do it for our look at Gathering Forces. Next up on the agenda is going to be an episode called Path of the Jedi, which sounds promising, doesn't it? Hey Rebel Rouser, you know how I just got done talking about the beauty of the stuff that the visual effects folks in The Force Awakens do? Well, there's another beautiful thing that I gotta mention here as well, and that is the 3D holograms that Zebra Imaging has made, teaming up with Lucasfilm to create the world's first and only Star Wars 3D hologram collectibles. 
Check him out at sw7x7.com slash hologram to see Kylo Ren, the Death Star Trench Run, R2-D2 projecting Princess Leia, and let's not forget Han Solo and Carbonite. That's the one that my mom wouldn't be able to stand. Oh, that scene made her so sad. <laughs> anyway, one more time, it's sw7x7.com slash hologram to see them for yourself. All right, I've got a trivia question here before you go. Red squad, blue squad, take my lead. I'm on it. We're going to be on Last time we asked you how many different colors of pauldrons you see on Stormtroopers in The Force Awakens, and that's two. And for bonus credit, that's orange and white. Today's question, who triggers the explosive charges set inside the thermal oscillator on Starkiller Base? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you activate the carbon freezing chamber, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at patreon.com SW7x7. It's most impressive, and it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7 We hope you love it.